Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. Hey guys, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's so great that you would join us today. If you'll take your Bible and turn to James chapter 4, uh, that's where we're going to be today. James chapter 4. We've been in this series in the book of James where he's calling us to a a true and living faith. Um, He wants our faith expressed in how we live. And over the next two weeks, he's going to press that into two uh, very important areas. How we spend our time and how we spend our money. You're going to see these in two come nows. One's in chapter 4, verse 13, and the other is in chapter 5, verse one And James is speaking to these believers about the most accurate theological document that you have about what you actually believe. Your calendar and your checking account are the most accurate theological document that you have about what you believe. It's going to show you what you value. It's going to show you what you believe about God. It's going to show you what you believe about yourself. And since that is the most accurate theological document uh, revealing what you actually believe, your, your calendar and your checking account, James is going to call us to a true and living faith in how we spend our time and how we spend our money. And per- this is particularly timely because over the next seven to eight weeks, those are going to be two significant stressors for us how we're going to spend our time and money around Thanksgiving and into Christmas will be two significant stressors in our lives. And so this is a timely word today. So I'm going to read James 4, verse 13 through 17, and we'll jump into God's word. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Let's pray real quickly. Uh, Lord, would you open our eyes and ears to hear and see wonderful things from your word today? Holy Spirit, you know how each heart needs to hear your word. Uh, you know how each, you know, each story um, that's listening to this, Lord. So I pray um, that you would speak to us in ways uh, that I never could. So Lord, help us see and hear wonderful things today from your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And we're going to see two things from this passage. Okay, We're going to look at proud planning and then humble planning. Okay, proud planning and humble humble planning. Let's start with proud planning. Now, first notice who James is speaking to in verse 13. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. First thing we need to see is James is speaking to believers. He's talking to those who, who he's been writing to for this whole letter. He's writing to those who have been brought forth by the word of truth. He's writing to those who have received the implanted word. This is kind of an Old Testament idea fulfilled in the new where, where God takes out our old heart and puts in a new heart so that we obey and follow all that God has for us to do. And so he's speaking here 
to believers. So what he's going to say about how we spend our time and how we spend our money, it's not, uh, it is, this is going to be an expression of faith, not a way to earn favor from God. Okay, you, you don't do these things in order to be a Christian. You do these things because God has changed your life. Second thing we need to see, this is written to uh, those who have a specific bent around planning and productivity. Okay, He says, uh, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will. So these are planners. These are those lovable people who love a calendar that when they're trying to schedule something with you, it's going to take several weeks to figure it out. I mean, these, those lovable people, they're great. You should love them. Okay, uh, So there, he's talking to planners who are also intending to be productive. They say, uh, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So these are planners. They are productive people. They are some ambitious, driven. They intend to succeed. Now, the problem is not that they are productive planners. Okay, That's not the problem in the passage. The problem in the passage is this mindset that says, my productive planning is the reason all this is going to happen. That's, that's the problem. The problem is that they are proud. Look at verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So this uh, mindset that says, today or tomorrow, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to be successful the part of the problem with this mindset is that it leaves God out of the equation. It, it, it totally leaves God out of the equation. What we're, what we're looking at in that kind of mindset is a person who says, I've planned it, I'm doing it, it's going to happen, I don't need to worry about God at all. And then when we say it, when, when those words come out of our mouth, hey, this is what I'm going to do today or tomorrow. I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. That, that speaking is coming out of that arrogance and that speaking is boasting. And James says, all such boasting is evil. So there's an arrogant mindset that's driving boastful words. And James says, this is evil. And it's evil because we've forgotten when we're speaking or living this way, we've forgotten that everything we have comes from the Lord anyway. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul writes this, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? This mindset that says, life's about my planning and my doing and it's going to happen is arrogant because it's taken God out of the equation. Paul Miller, in his book on prayer, expresses the mindset this way. He says, Our trust in ourselves and in our talents makes us structurally independent of God. I want to read that again. Our trust in ourselves and in our talents makes us structurally independent of God. He says, If you are not praying, that is, depending on God, crying out to Him, then you are quietly confident that time Money and talent are all you need in life. That's the mindset James is talking about. So these proud Christian planners are living as if God's not part of the equation in their arrogance. They're, they're, they're speaking their plans as if their planning and their doing is all that matters in life, and that's boasting. And James calls it evil. And what we need to all understand 
is that all of us have and do this, have done and do this. We live as if God's not part of our equation. We, we make our plans as if God's not in charge of the world. We believe that what really matters is our planning, our doing, and if we plan it and we do it, it's going to happen. We live this way. And then we tell God, stay out of my plans. Or we tell him, hey, do my plans. And James calls that kind of mindset evil. And here's the good news. God sent his one and only son to die for people who do that. He sent his one and only son who stepped out of eternity and into time, who lived, died, and rose again, not so that he could bless our plans, but so that he could rule and reign over our lives. And he died so that we could be forgiven of our arrogant boasting and brought into his beautiful family. And if you trust him today, you can be forgiven of all the ways you've done this and more. And you can be free to know and love Jesus and to live the life you were called to live. Now, James is speaking about proud planning, and our reaction to this kind of passage is uh, to go from proud planning kind of to passive living. Okay, We, 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 we see these, these, this, uh, this warning about planning and producing, and maybe you live with someone who's put together that way. Maybe, uh, maybe you're just kind of tired of their driven nature, and you're thinking, I have a verse now. Okay, I have a verse. Whenever you bring all that energy to me, I got a verse. Well, the problem is if you swing from proud planning to passive living, what you've gone from is arrogance to abdication. You're no longer stewarding the one life you get. Now you're just saying, well, we're not going to plan. We're just going to let happen what happens. And that's not what the passage is calling us to. So he's not calling us to proud planning and he's not calling us to passive living. He calls us to humble planning. He calls us to live our life with gospel intention for the glory of God. And we see that in verse 14. Look at verse 14. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I want you to notice three things here about humble planning. First, we have no idea what's coming. That's what James tells us in verse 14. Um, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And if there was ever a year in our lifetimes where we would all with one accord say yes and amen to a verse, this is it. Okay. When all of us were, uh, in, where we were, when we were in our conference rooms or boardrooms last year, when we were looking at 2020, no one in that room said, what, what, what's our answer if we have a pandemic? What's, what's our business model if we shut the world down? Like no one brought that up last year. We had no idea what tomorrow will bring. And, and maybe now we're thinking, since we're living in it, we're thinking, well, man, you know, that was an outlier. I mean, 20, who, who could have seen this coming? And we can kind of make ourselves think that we used to kind of know what, what, what tomorrow will bring. The reality is we have never known what tomorrow will bring. We, we don't. We will never know what tomorrow will bring. 2020 just called our bluff on it. Okay? Second thing we need to see about humble planning is we have one very short life. Look at verse 14. What is your life? 
For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You're the, you're the breath coming out of your mouth on a brisk morning. Now, he's not saying that to suggest your life is in, in, unimportant or that, that your life does not matter. He's trying to say, in the light of God's eternity, you have a very, very, very short life. Statistically, we get 78 years, which to a four-year-old sounds like a lot of time. To a 60-year-old, not too much. 78 years. We get one very short life. And every day of it, is written in God's book before there was a single one of them. That's what Psalm 139 says. My days were written in your book before there was one of them. Every day of my life is written in God's book. And Jesus told me, I can't add a single day to my life from worrying about it. Not a single day can I add to my life from worrying. And so as, we, as I have looked at my life over the last few months, I've had to repent of some things. Primarily, I had to repent of a fear of dying. That, that really captured me in June and July. Just this fear. And I'd had to repent of that because the most frequently written command in all the Bible is do not be afraid. The most frequent command in all the Bible is do not be afraid. And as I was dealing with the realities that we're walking through, I just kind of had this, this fear of dying that had just kind of gripped my heart. And I had to realize there have always been a million ways for me to die. Now there's one more we know about. And what I know today is the same thing I knew years ago, that when my story is finally written, my time here will be done and not a minute sooner. One writer said that all of God's men are immortal until God is through with them is a wonderfully comforting thought for today. And when he is through with you, he will remove you. And that's a blessing to believe. Our days are written and we don't know how many of them. We just know that our life is a mist. When we, uh, when we were meeting in downtown Belmont, we had an office down there. So just about every day of the week, I would drive past the cemetery at First Pres over in Belmont. And right next to the road, there was a big grave marker with my name on it. Not my name, my last name. I would drive past it and read low right there every day. It was really clarifying. That one day I would have a mark. Actually, I've told Cheryl, do whatever is cheapest for me. Okay, But one day I'm going to have a marker with my name on it. It's going to have two dates, the date of my birth and the date of my death, and my life will be a dash. I get one very short life. I get a dash. Here's a side note. Um, are you prepared for the end of that dash? Not just for eternity, like when you meet Jesus, but are you prepared like for those you leave behind? Here's some questions. Men, you need to write this down. Do you have a will? Do you have insurance? Um, ha have you communicated these things to the people that you will... Statistically, uh, husbands die before wives. So have you communicated this? Are you ready? Listen, I've been in rooms with widows whose husbands planned, and I've been in rooms where widows where her husband didn't. That's not a fun room. Neither of them is a fun room. But this one has a whole other list of challenges with it. 
And you do not want your wife's last thought about you to be, he didn't take care of me. You don't want her to think that. So do you have a will? Do you have insurance? Is it enough? We need to think about these things. We get one very short life. James wants us to remember, we have no idea what tomorrow will bring. We get one very short life. Third, in light of those things, James says we should spend our dash with humble intention. Look at verse four, verse 15. He says, instead you ought. Now that's a contrast from verse 13. So we should not speak like they do in verse 13. And it's a command. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So if the Lord wills, this is not just something we kind of tag onto our planning. This is an attitude with which we live. We, we say, look, if the Lord wills, this will happen. This is an attitude of humility that we bring to our lives. That it's not about my planning, it's not about my doing, it's really ultimately about if the Lord wills. And if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Which brings me to the last part about humble planning. We have a this or that. We have a this or that. Listen, we get one very short life. And we are given gifts and abilities and talents and passions. And one day we will stand before God for how we have used those. And what James is calling us to is to live with a humble intention for the glory of God. Because you get one life. You get one life. He's calling us to remember that. And on that day when we stand before him, my hope is that we will have lived for the glory of God. That I will have lived. That I will have lived for the glory of God, not the glory of me, but the glory of God. That's my hope. That's my desire. That's my prayer. And so as we think about how to apply this passage, I just have one question. Well, a statement and a question. The statement is, we get a dash. You get a dash. You get one very short life in the span of eternity. How are you going to use it? How are you going to use it? How are you going to use your dash? How are you going to use your one very short life? Listen, I know there are unknowns everywhere. There are things we don't know about, uh, about this, this virus. There are things we don't know about our country's future. There's all kinds of things we don't know. And it's never not been true. We've never known everything that was coming. We have no idea what tomorrow will bring. 2020 is no different. It just made it more plain. So the other thing I had to repent of this summer, one was the fear of dying. The other was pandemic paralysis. Every year for the last 20 years, Cheryl and I would sit down around July and we would talk about the next year that was coming. What's coming? What are we looking forward to? What can we celebrate? What are some things that, that we should plan and prepare for? This year, that reminder came up on my uh, reminder thing. I just ignored it. Because I thought, I don't know what tomorrow is bringing, like much less what next year is bringing. And I just felt this pandemic paralysis gripping me until in my prep for this series, I was reading this passage and I realized I've never known what tomorrow will bring. But that's never stopped me from hoping and dreaming. 
It's never stopped me from, from thinking ahead and wondering what God might do and, and dreaming and saying with Paul, he's able to do more than I could ask or imagine, so let's live. Because I get a dash. I get one life. And I want to spend it well. So we get a dash. How are you going to use it? How are you going to use it? Let me, let me mention a few areas, okay? First one, if you're a high school student or a college student, uh, you get three summers for the rest of your lives. Three. How are you going to use those summers? I've told my kids, I have no interest in you coming back here. I love, man, I love my children, but you get three summers. And if God calls you to come back to G-Town and make money, praise be to God. That's an honoring thing. But you get three summers and the world is bigger. Three unless you're in education and, you know, whatever your path is, okay? But you get three summers for most of us. So how are you going to spend them? Next, your vocation. Listen, God does not call us to passive living. He doesn't call us to proud planning, but he doesn't call us to passivity. He calls us to humble intentionality, and you get one dash in your vocation. How are you using it to the glory of God? Because you're called to ministry. You're not, I'm not saying you're called to work at a church. I'm saying you're called to ministry. If you're a follower of Jesus, he has mission and ministry for you. So how are you using your vocation for the glory of God? How are you dreaming about how you might get better at your craft and improve and grow and be a good steward of however many talents God has given you? Because you get one dash. How are you going to use it? Our dreams. Now, please do not take God out of the equation of your dreams as if it's all about you. And don't treat him like a genie, as if he's a vending machine that all you have to do is pray and he gives you what you want. But dream. Dream. Like what what do you want to do with your life? What are the things you want to enjoy and accomplish? Dream, pray, say, God, God, would you give me wisdom? Would you change my heart so I want what you want? And then bring those dreams to him and say, God, this is what I think you want from me. After praying and reading your word and seeking your face, this is what I think. And God, if you will, this will happen. It's not ungodly to have ambition and dreams. We get one life. One. We need to live it for the glory of God. Another area is parenting. Parenting. How can you parent with gospel intentionality? Listen, I don't anticipate writing a parenting book, okay? But if I do, I would talk about three stages of parenting. I talk about gaining Now, gaining is physically exhausting. It's all about diapers, dirt, and discipline. All right. That's what, that's what gaining is about. But it's fun. It's fun because you're adding new people to your family. You're adding new experiences. You're gaining. Okay. Then you hit this stage called sustaining where everybody knows where to use the bathroom and how to do that. You, you kind of hit this stage where kids can do chores. I mean, and, and then you can kind of, it's kind of fun. And then you hit this stage called launching where they start uh, saying crazy things like, Dad, when do I learn to drive? And where am I going to go to college? And you start you know, rebuking them and locking them in their room. Okay, but this, And this phase is emotionally 
exhausting, and a lot of fun. And it will be here for, it's here for us. We're well into the launching phase of our family. For some of you, it will be here like this. Like this, it will be there. And so how are you parenting with gospel intentionality? For uh, Cheryl and I, we talked about this a lot. There were um, a few things that we wanted to do um, during this kind of sustaining, launching, pre-launch phase to set apart for our kids. When they were 12, we let them plan family vacation. Now, we had some rules around it. We had a budget around it. We had some, <laughs> I want to go to Mars. Can't. So we, we had some things that we did, but 12 years old, that was a kind of a moment for our kids. At 16, we wanted to have a, a commissioning service as they go into young adulthood. All right? We wanted to say to them, uh, to our boys, we had some men speaking of their lives, um, and we gave them each symbolic presence. We gave TJ a sword because we wanted him to be a protector. We gave uh, Nathan a bow because uh, Psalm 127 talks about the children of your youth as arrows sent out into the world. Ellie saw that. She said, I want a mace. I said, sweetie, we're not buying them weaponry. Like, these are symbols, and you're not getting a mace in my home. Like, no, that's not happening, Okay. For Corinne, we bought her a, um, a, a mariner's telescope so that she would see and know all that God had for her future. And so we buy them these things, and then we have had women come and speak into Corinne's life about what it means to be a godly woman. And then when they turn 18 or graduate from high school, we have a launching party where we pray them, pray for them and launch them out. And listen, they know they, know they can come home, we, we, all those things, but we want them to be launched into the world. And you do not have to do what we did. I'm not suggesting that. What I am suggesting is you get a very short period of time to parent your kids. How are you being intentional with that period of time, that very short, very short period of time? We get one life, one life. Then your marriage. How are you being intentional about your marriage? Do you know that you'll be married a lot, statistically, you'll be married a lot longer after your kids are gone than, when, than before they came? How are you doing so that you can be friends when they're gone? When life's not about your children and getting them to and from, how are you doing on building your marriage so that it can be healthy to last decades after your kids are out of your house? Again, we're not guaranteed a single one of them, but let's plan as if they're coming and say if the Lord wills. And then your involvement in a local church. There's one thing we can invest in in this world that will definitely be here when we leave. Your company may or may not be. Our country may or may not be. But the church, not Exodus, but the church of Jesus Christ will remain. How are you investing in that? How are you investing your life in the local church? How are you investing your life in the local church? One of the things that we've been praying about and need are biblically qualified men to serve as, as elders here in our church. We need biblically qualified men to serve in the office of elder. How are you investing your life in the local church? We get a dash. We get one very short life. How are we investing it? Because James tells us if we don't live in this way, it's sin, verse 17. 
He says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So Exodus, let's live. Let's live this one very short life. Let's live this one very short life about which we have no idea for tomorrow. But let's live it to the glory of God. Let's live it to the glory of God. So I had two points today, um, and I've got a poem, so that means you get three-fourths of a sermon. Okay? Thank you for the laughter. Um, Now, the poem is by C.T. Studd, who was a British missionary to China. And um, it's it's really powerful to me. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life, which will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life, which will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. Yes, only one. Now let me say thy will be done, and when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, was worth it all. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. We get one, one life. We get a dash. How are you using it for the glory of God? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness to us and for your love for us. We confess and rejoice in the reality that we have no idea what tomorrow holds. We know, we know that we have absolutely no idea what tomorrow holds. And yet we know that you do. And that you call us to faithfulness. You call us to humble faithfulness in our planning and in our future And so, Lord, would you help us, help us, help us to invest this one brief life that we have for your glory. Help us. Jesus, thank you that you lived your life with gospel intention. And that that looked like sacrifice, and it looked like service, and it looked like humility. It It looked like glorifying the Father. Thank you that you lived that all the way to the cross where you died in our place for our sin, our sin, of pr- our sin of pride, our sin of passivity, where you died and forgave us for our sin and rose then victorious over the grave so that we could not only hope in you but live lives that glorify you. So Lord, help us. Help us do that. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.